Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. They have to go through only one person, and who is the door, and who is the only way to God the Father? Everybody. And it's through the work of Christ, but it's also through the grace he gives to us. So we don't go to heaven by all of this stuff, and we don't become spiritual. All right, number four, you begin to trust in rules. All right, he says here of the law, he says, man, concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. Now, some of you don't know what a Pharisee is. I don't have time to open up the whole belief system of the Pharisees, but just take it from me. They had such a list of do's and don'ts that when you became this Pharisee and you identified as a Pharisee, in order to remain that type of Pharisee, you had to keep up with all of these rules so you could hold your nose up real high like this, so high that if it rained, you drown, that I'm a Pharisee because you did all the kind of stuff here that we'll call rules. And he says that doesn't do it. So doing all sorts of rules will not get you to heaven and doing all sorts of rules will not make you spiritual. Number five. Reputation. Reputation. He says concerning zeal. That's his reputation. Everybody knew he was a zealot. He was very zealous for the Lord. I persecuted the church concerning righteousness, which is the law. I was blameless. Notice how zealous he was. So now you have a person over here, and he's so zealous for spiritual things about God, he thinks that's going to get him to heaven. So he's he's in his religion, his church, when the doors open, when they close, and he he prays all the time, he he drips with the spiritual stuff, and you talk to him, do you think you'll go to heaven? And he says, well, I hope so. He's real zealous, and he thinks, I think I'll get there. If not, I'm peddling as fast as I can. That's not going to get him to heaven. Then you got the spiritual person here, and a lot of us can feel come into this thing. We think that the, the more we work, the more we do, the more Bible we read, the more stuff we do, that that's going to make us more spiritual. And so all of a sudden, we begin to brag. Listen, I memorized all of this, and I got this badge for this, and I've, I've joined this, and I become this. Celebrate some of the things that you've done, but remember the only reason you can do them is because of God's grace. So make it about His grace and about the Lord, not about all the stuff you do. Otherwise, it becomes nothing more than you bragging, bragging rights on your reputation. He says, that's not going to do it. Look at Romans 14, 17, because this is kind of the crux of it all, Romans 14, 17. Would you read it out loud with me? For the kingdom of God is not meat, eating, and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Circle the phrase in that verse, not meat, eating, and drinking. Circle that phrase, because I want you to do something with it. When I eat meat and when I drink... Those are outside things, so put it outside, external. Then you're going to go to the phrase that says, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Circle that whole phrase and underline the word but. So I want you to see, he's saying, it's not by the outside stuff that you do, all the external stuff. You can do all the external stuff and still not get to heaven because it's by faith alone. You can do all the external stuff, but you won't be spiritual because you're doing it outside rather than from a heart turned toward God for his glory and his uh, love alone. Then he says, but... Where is it? And now he gives you inside stuff. So put internal there. Righteousness, that's an inside job. Joy, that's an inside job. Peace, that's an inside job. Then underline the phrase Holy Spirit. So you realize all that external stuff is stuff you do. All the internal stuff is all the stuff he does. And that's what's the difference between legalism and grace. Legalism is external and grace is internal. 
And so that's why this whole passage goes together, and I just really love it. So keep that in mind there. Let's go to number two. These will start opening up a little faster now. We kind of broke through the wall, so you understand a little bit about that. So keep it in mind that we need to protect this through grace and avoid thinking legalistically. Number two, analyze your priorities. I want to keep my joy. I don't want to lose my joy. I've got to have my priorities right, so I've got to analyze my priorities. If my priorities are wrong, my joy will be gone. If my priorities are wrong, my joy will be gone. And here's what it says. But what things were gained to me, Paul goes on to say, these I've counted loss for Christ. Circle Christ. Quickly, circle it, Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Circle Christ again. Knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom, circle whom, I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish or garbage or trash that I may gain Christ, circle Christ, and be found in Him, circle Christ, not having mine own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is of the faith in Christ, circle Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. All right. Let's see if I can make some sense. How many of you are business people here? Anybody anybody had a business, own a business before? Raise your hand. Any business people here? When I say, do you have a P&L? What am I saying when I say, do you have a P&L or a P&L statement? Anybody know what I'm saying when I say that? Profit and loss, okay? This would be Paul's profit and loss statement here. He uses the word profit once, and he uses the word loss three times. That's not, no big deal, except simply this. Kids, I want you to listen to this, because this is going to help you now. All right, he's saying, everything that I try to pull into my life to have gain, in other words, I want to gain something, I want to get something, and I needed it for me, I had to have this, all right? That then could be, and in his life it was, a loss for Christ. Because his ultimate goal was to put Christ first. But when he put these other things, now here's the things, list them now. Possessions. When I wanted more possessions for me, and i got to have these possessions so I can keep up with the other kids and the other people, possessions, I lost my opportunity to put Christ first. So my possessions became over Christ, the person of Christ. Now put over here popularity. So in other words, I'm doing things so the kids will vote for me, like me, so they won't laugh at me, that I'll be a part of their group. I don't want to be left out. I want to be one of them. So whatever it takes for me to do that, tell the jokes, wear the clothes, listen to their music, whatever it is so I can be part of the team. I don't have to be the big guy on campus, but I don't want to be the last kid on campus. So you got popularity. Once he had that, then over here, you're losing Christ because now Christ is saying, wait, I don't care about you being popular so much with the world. I want you to be popular with me. All right. So then we can go over here with power. Some of you don't care so much about that. You've got to be the captain of the team. You've got to be the person who is the, um, the committee chairman or you've got to be some boss of some kind, a place of influence or control, we might say it. And so you're going to do and position and manipulate and play politics to get all of that. When you're world, living in that world, Christ over here is way down over here saying, hey, whoa, 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 what about me? All right, so now what you have here is a profit and loss. So whatever you gain for you, you've lost with Christ. Whatever you're, watch this now, whatever you're willing to lose, you now could move into the profit side over here of gaining Christ. Now stay with me, folks, this is important. Because some of you, you could have your house burned down, and all of a sudden, you use that to make it all about you. Look at my poor house burned down, and I need some help. Everything's going wrong for me. If, if it rains soup, I'd only have a fork. You know, nothing goes right. So it's all about you. So you've lost everything, and you've lost intimacy with God over here. So when you lose something, for that moment right there, say this. Lord, 
I didn't have the smarts maybe to get rid of it. You took it away from me because at the root of your feeling for me was that you wanted me to have you. So whatever I lose over here, I can gain for Christ over here. So don't look at it as a loss. So whenever God takes away something that you really would like, for just a moment say, Lord, what are you doing in my life to bring me closer to you? That's the profit and loss. So what is your protection? Get your priorities in order. That's number two, protection. Get your priorities in order. And if you want to, in your margin, all you have to put down is one thing. Put Christ first. That's all. Put Christ first. It's all about Christ. All about Christ. Now, let me see if I can make this a little bit more practical. How many of you have ever gone to a a luau or you've gone to a buffet? How many have ever gone to a luau or to a buffet? Would you raise your hand? Now, often there's more selection than you have enough room in your stomach to eat. You all agree with that? I agree with that. Okay, when I look at all of this stuff, if you're like me, it has nothing to do with spirituality now, so just relax. Okay. I look at this and I say, I can't eat it all. And some of this stuff is pretty expensive, and I don't know if I could afford some of this stuff. So what do you do? You go for the best stuff at that luau, don't you? If they've got dried up chicken wings over here and prime rib over there, what the world do you think I'm going to take? I'm not a dummy. I'm going for the prime rib, okay? Because I know that I can eat. I'll, that's all right, but I can get this better. All right, here's something better for you. When you go to a dessert bar and they've got make your own Sunday and Jello, how many of you take Jello? I never take Jello. No, some of you would. You know, you you know, you, you got brain damage, but that's all right. No, I'm just joking. But but I, I go for the best. Now, why am I telling you this, folks? We have the whole life in front of us. I don't care how our life looks. Eternity is longer. Duh. So if I have that, I'm going to pick what's very best. So I can pick all the earthly stuff, or I can pick I want Christ first in my life. Now, does that mean you've got to sell everything? You can't have nice stuff? No, 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 no. It just means, watch this now, you own it, it doesn't own you. That's all. So if God blesses you with something, hey, that's really great. God's going to bless you with it. Take it. Receive it. But don't have it own you. All right, let's go to number three. Adjust your passions. A little bit different than putting Christ first now. It's adjusting your passions. So set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. All right, here's what it says, our last two verses, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, here's what you're going to want to mark. You want to mark the words, know him. You want to get to know him, that I may know him. That's my passion. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection, to know him. Now, if you will, in your margin, put not about him. I need to know him, not about him. I need to know him. All right. Now, if you will, you might want to look up here for a second. I'll try to see if I can explain this. There is nothing wrong with us knowing about Christ. Studying sound doctrine, studying theology. We, we need to do that. We should do that. In fact, I, one time someone was asking me if I was ever stranded on, a, on an island, what books would I want to take with me? Oh, one is, is um, how to swim for long distances. No, I'm joking. I just made that up. There's three books. I would like to take Schaefer's Systematic Theology set. I would take that with me. The second thing that I would take with me 
would be any biography that I possibly can take on a great man or woman of God that influenced Hawaii for the gospel. Just to read it again, their, their journals. And then number three, I'd like to take 66 books that are bound together in one called the Bible. All right? I'd like to take that with me. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because it's through theology that I will know about Christ. Watch this now. I can even read good books about missionaries because they're going to tell me about, 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 about Christ and how he worked in their life. And I can even read the Bible, and it'll tell me all about Christ from Genesis to Revelation, or I like, I like to say from index to maps. I can learn all about that. But those tools, if it's just that, I'm going to have dead orthodoxy. I will have dead thinking. So God is saying that we have to be passionate about the person of Christ. So watch. We use the theology. We use books that are good books that are out there. I just chose biographies. You may choose other books. And I will choose the Bible, of course. But my purpose is that they're nothing more than funnels that's pointing me to the source, which is Christ. I want to have an intimacy with Jesus Christ. That's what we're saying here by passionate about the Lord. Look at how the, the Amplified Version says it. Look at just I'll read it to you, but listen how it just ramps it up. It says... Paul's saying this, but it's translated in an amplified fashion. For my determined purpose is, whoo, heavy. My determined purpose is that I may know Christ. Now let's stop for a moment. If you were a famous football player that could be winning a Heisman Trophy one year, would you say in your heart that your determined purpose is to know him? Or would it be, my determined purposes is to be the best football player I possibly can be? Now, there's nothing wrong with being the best you can be. But the whole purpose is, is to know him. Because most of the time, watch this, when you say, I want to be the best singer, the best hula dancer, the best player, the best athlete, the best speaker, the best pastor. When we say all of that, even if we say the, the best we can be, it's still in. That's right. That's okay. The whole purpose of that real center is about me becoming the best I can be. So it sounds so good, all right? But when you put it up to my determined purpose is to know Christ, it goes back to my buffet illustration. Is my determined purpose to eat or to eat the best? All right, let's go on. My determined purpose is that I may know Christ, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him. Boy, if you want a memory verse, do it out of the Amplified. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding Him more strongly and more clearly. This is, this is rich stuff. This is dripping with so many calories right now. That's a great passage. I, couldn't, I can't say this any better than what I'm trying to. I'm, I'm frustrated up here because I want you to know what knowing Christ is. It's not just knowing about Christ. It's not just having a love affair with Jesus. It's a lot more than that. It's knowing who he is. So, number three, protection. Make your passion be getting to know Christ better and better. Make your passion be getting to know Christ better and better. How do I get to know Christ better? There are three words. Let's go. Number one, if I want to get to know Christ better, time is my first one. I will not get to know him if I do not spend time with him. When I do a lot of premarital counseling with people, they say that they want to kind of get married. I recommend long courtships. 
but short engagements. Now, why is that? Because by the time they're ready to hook up, you know, the flame is... Anyway, you know what I'm trying to say. So, long courtships. How long is long? No less than a year. You've got to go through all the ups and downs of a season with them. Long courtships. And doing that, I don't know how you can have a rich relationship long distance. Has it been done? Yes. My question is, if they had the opportunity to be together frequently, a lot, purely, properly, if they think they had a great relationship by long distance, I wonder how much better it would have been if they had spent more time together. I'm not against that. I'm just saying spending time together. Hearing their heart. So write the word time down there. And by the way, may I, I want to add this. I've I got to do this. Brindy, you're my friend. Brindy, she helps with the sound every time that Jonathan's unable to be here. She's a sweetheart. Work with, with Child Evangelism Fellowship. So if I can pick on her, it's okay. But let's say I gave you 15 things I need you to do. I want you to empty the trash before you go home. I want you to sweep the lanai. I want you to do all of this stuff. And your mom says that's okay because she's going to give you $100 to do it, okay? So we're giving you this big list of stuff to do, okay? Now, while I appreciate you doing the list, I don't want you to have a relationship with the list. I want you to like the person who gave it to you. You understand what I'm saying? When God gives us this list, some of us have a relationship more with this list. We have more vinyl notebooks on our shelf, Christians, by going to all these seminars than we'll ever have time to process. Do I hear an amen on that? God doesn't want us to have a relationship with a list. He wants us to have a relationship with the list maker, the list writer. And you do that by spending time, not with the list, with the writer. Okay, number two, talk, talk. In order to develop that relationship, you've got to communicate. I put the word talk because it's a T. But communicate, talk. Talk, 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 talk. Um, Carol's not here. Some of you are wondering, where is she right now? She's not in jail. Uh, she went back to see her mom and dad for a couple of weeks, and, and I think it's a good thing because it's just it's perfect timing. But here's what I want to tell you this. Kids, this is going to date me. We did not have email. We did not have cell phones. Or the telephone was just invented. No, not, not really. But in our home, we didn't have speed dial. We didn't have multiple lines. We didn't have call waiting. We had a dial phone. And the phone that we had in our house was also my dad's business phone. And, of course, I'm a talker. Can you tell that? Okay. And so when I call Carol, my, after about the second phone call, my dad says, that's, that's it. We ain't going to do this no more. You're just on the phone too long. And so I negotiated with him. I said, Dad, um, if I could talk to Carol much longer, but I did it at another place, would you let me do that? He said, as long as you don't use this phone, as long as you don't go to her house, because I don't want you to spend too much time in each other's presence. I didn't know why he did that back then, but I do know why now as a parent. But getting back to this, he said, but if you go home at a certain time, it's okay. So I found a drugstore that I could make a phone call for a nickel, and I could talk to Carol as long as I wanted to on that nickel. And I'm so glad that her parents didn't do the same thing or she'd be in one store and I'd be in this other store talking to each other on pay phones. Why are we the best friends? Because we talk, 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 talk. Now I'm glad I have a cell phone. And I can call her anytime that I want. She's already called me this morning. We're going to call tonight. She called me on the plane. We talk all the time. Sometimes too much maybe. Number three, you've got to talk to Jesus. You've got to communicate. Number three is trust. This is the hardest one, and I'm glad I can end on this one. But here's the point you have to get. We're talking about how do you sustain joy. This is the root of everything I'm going to say right now, so I need you to step up to this. 
We got all this joy. We want it to stay. Okay, God says that it's not by legalism. It's by His grace and it's getting to know Him more. Now, here's what's so funny about all of this is you would think that we would get to know Him more if we keep getting more money and better jobs and everything goes our way. Wow, this is so cool. Look at all this great stuff. And God says, no, 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 no. How you get to know me is through suffering. Huh? Through suffering. And so He says this. Often he will bring affliction and the trial of our faith and testing. And so it can come through your health or relationships or bukoodle of other stuff that's going on. He is now bringing you to the point where if you want to have sustained joy, which is a fruit of the Spirit, he comes back and he says this. You have to trust me that I am sovereign, that I love you, that I'm in control because I did all of this so that you would totally throw yourself on me to be able to get this thing resolved. And that's what it's all about getting closer and closer to the Lord. So joy could be a barometer, or even a thermometer, probably would be a better word, of how close we are to the Lord. So if you have joy one day and not the next, whose problem is it? Is it God's or ours? So it's something that we can work on. So what are three joy robbers? One, two, three, write them down. Is it legalism? You answer that. Is it legalism? Yes or no? Yeah. Is it legalism? Three joy robbers? You bet. Legalism will steal your joy. Number two, misplaced priorities. And then finally, number three, misplaced passion. What a great day we had today. Remember, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's going to be all in Jesus Christ who died and rose again. It's nothing you do. It's all what he has done for you. And all you have to do is to go to him and say, Lord, I could never be righteous enough to go to heaven. I'll never be good enough. I'm trusting you to give me eternal life. And he says, I'll save you, my friend. I love you. It's not by what you've done. It's what I did. I died on the cross, rose again. You trusted in me. You received me by faith alone. I'm giving you eternal life through my grace. Man, I'm going to tell you, that's the greatest news of all. Plus, he says, and you'll never lose it. And you'll always have it. It'll be yours. So trust Christ as your Savior. So right now, would you simply say, Lord, I'm a sinner. But the best I know how, I'm trusting you to get me to heaven. I can't get there by my good works. But it's all of you. Now, however you say that, it doesn't have to be a prayer, but it is a genuine mental transaction of you trusting in Christ, placing your faith in Christ. So you're already going to heaven. You're already in the thing. You're in the game plan. You're in God's family forever. And so I'd like for you right now, if you're trusting Christ in here today, never done it before, and you want me to... All right, now, for the rest of us in here, I want to make sure that as you live your Christian life, and I'm I'm a kind of guy that likes to give, I don't want to say rules, but I do give lists and things to do, things to work on. I'm now giving you the caution statement on this. The warning statement is don't do the list. Don't do the practical things that I give you just on the outside and thinking now that you're so spiritual. It's going to come from a heart that's turned toward the Lord with a passion to get to know him better and better and better because you love him with all your heart, soul, and mind and that you're doing these things to maybe facilitate some of this, but you know that just doing the outside is not going to change the inside necessarily. So I don't know where you are. I'm not being very specific, but I want you to be careful. Continue doing what you're doing. Hendrickson says this. One gains such experiential knowledge of Christ by wide-awake attendance at public worship and the proper use of sacraments. He goes on to say it's also by showing kindness to all and practicing a forgiving spirit and loving above all, learning to be thankful, studying the word of God devotionally and exegetically so that it dwells in your heart. It's by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, but you sing it to the glory of God. You continue in prayer, and you also redeem your time as a witness for Christ to all lost people. 
So there are things that we are doing, but it's not those doing things that will make us spiritual. It's loving the Lord with all of our heart. And now, out of that love, we now serve Him. Thank you. Let's pray for one another, shall we? And as we pray, I just want you to know that God's grace and His love is so beautiful and so precious and so perfect and so helpful. Cancer can take your body, but not your joy. Divorce can take your marriage, but not your joy. Drugs can take your child, but not your joy. Circumstances may even take your expectations, You have circumstances, you've expected something, it doesn't happen, but it doesn't have to take your joy because it's in Jesus. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for what we've learned today. I pray that we would now love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind and that our desire is to get to know you better and better and better because we love you, not for what we can get out of it, although we'll get some blessings out of it. Our joy will remain. But Father, we're doing it because of who you are and we thank you even for the grace of the blessings of benefits. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh,